We're back together again, and it feels so good over here on the F1 Funcast. Uh, joined together at the end of this summer break with the crew chief, Connor Gagnon. And um, feels good to be going again. Connor, how are you doing over there? I'm doing good. It's been a pretty good summer break over here on the East Coast. Just a lot of rain, but uh, I can't really complain, I guess. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm just glad to be back doing this and getting ready to talk F1. Hoping everyone out there has had an enjoyable summer, and I know you're itching to watch some racing this weekend. I can't believe it's race week yet again. But uh, it's finally race week. It, finally race week, everybody. It feels good. It feels good. So why don't we just start right there with? Uh, we're in Hungary this week. Is that correct? We're in Zandvoort. Zandvoort. In the Netherlands, Max's oh, home right. race this weekend. Yes. Oh, another. It feels like every week, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> is Max's? You know, I just recorded on Hungary. That's why I've got Hungary on, and I'm a little hungry myself. But it feels like every weekend <laughs> is Max's home race, and I'm learning the Austrian uh, national anthem by heart this year. But uh, it'll be good to see those cars back out on the grid and uh, doing their thing. Connor, what have you missed the most over the last few weeks without having Formula One in your life? Uh, all the speculation. I can't <laughs> say I really missed the the dominance of Red Bull. I think that's something that's not going to change. Although I will say I'm actually kind of I'm rooting for them in a way because I think it would be unbelievable to see them win every race this year. I don't know how likely that's going to be, but I mean this could be the best chance ever at having one single car win or one single team win every single race this year. So, so are we are we at that point now where you know if you were at a baseball game and the other teams throw in a perfect game you start rooting you start rooting for the other pitcher because it's a perfect game going on. We're hitting that point where we're watching history and we might as well get on board rather than Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. I absolutely think it's and that's a great way to put it to be honest. It's like rooting for a a perfect game once you see the pitcher is heading that direction it's like all right well obviously our team's not going to win so we might as well at least watch history happen um and i think it would be an unbelievable feat if they're able to do that if they're able to win every race this year um yeah it's just it's something that's unprecedented i i know that some other teams have been close um but We've yet to see perfection, I think, and this is definitely going to be our best shot at it. So so what do you hear out there in the F1 universe in terms of, is there a race where they could Red Bull could be in trouble? Is it is it looking just like it's going to be a smooth ride to that undefeated season? Are you Is there a race out there, I guess, that uh, maybe could uh, slow this train down? Is there anything you hear where Red Bull could have trouble? I don't trouble? know. I don't, I don't think so, because it seems like all the tracks that were their weakness last year, they're still able to have enough of a pace advantage to get a victory. And it doesn't really seem to, to change much depending on the track. Uh, they always seem to have some kind of a pace advantage in hand. And it just kind of varies between a quarter of a second over the course of a lap or three tenths of a second or, you know, anywhere between there to a full second. And yeah. So, it, yeah, <laughs> it, and you start doing that math, and it does look like we're on our way to a, a Red Bull sweep of an entire season, and, and that is unprecedented and kind of amazing if you think about it to go perfect for an, an entire season. And it's fun to, it's fun to hate that team. It's fun to root for them to to fail, but at the same time, the tide is starting to turn. At least in in my house over here, and the people I talk to about racing, that it is. Uh, a little bit why fight it resistance is futile at this point and uh <laughs> you know may, maybe maybe we'll, we'll see and we'll talk about we'll talk about each team and their their chances going forward but uh boy not to not to not to start everyone on a on a down note here in the second half of the the f1 season but yeah we're looking looking like red bull can't really be stopped but let's 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 we've talked about red bull we'll talk about that more later let's start at the very bottom of the grid here going into the second half of the season and work our way up to Red Bull at the top because I, I feel like sometimes we don't talk about these teams down at the bottom enough and we don't um, give them enough credit and they're working just as hard as everybody else and they're just as interesting too because 
the teams at the bottom are all clumped up enough where there's there's room to move in the standings and there's personnel moves and there's things happening. So right off the bat, the last team um, at the bottom of the standings right now, AlphaTari, has been one of the, the teams that has made the biggest waves in the past few weeks, would you say? Or I guess the past month and a half now. But AlphaTari dropping Nick DeVries, bringing on Daniel Ricardo, pushing Yuki Sonoda. There's a lot to watch for in the AlphaTari garage the second half, wouldn't you say? Yeah, there definitely is. I think it, it's going to be interesting to see how Ricardo keeps adapting to that car and the more he gets comfortable with it and see if he can push Yuki along. Um, I The thing with AlphaTauri for me is it seems like they're kind of having an identity crisis in a way. I know they're there's rumors of them changing their name again uh, to some other marketing brand. And the thing for me is that AlphaTauri used to be Toro Rosso, which used to be like the Red Bull junior team. It used to be, and it still really is like the feeder team for the Red Bull senior team. But there used to be a lot of um, similarities in their car, much like, the Haas is to the Ferrari where they look kind of the same. They share some developmental aspects, not necessarily identical, but they're close enough that it's, you know, there's a little bit of technology coming down the ladder a little bit for the junior team, but it's weird to see them. I mean, so off the pace and they had, an okay car last year. It wasn't bottom of the pile, but all of a sudden this year, it just seems like they just, they can't develop it. There's, there's something going on with that car. They just can't seem to get around right now. And would you say that that, that kind of makes the idea of a, um, AlphaTauri driver moving into a Red Bull seat down the line, less, less likely in general, because as you say, it used to be a feeder team and there was talk of Daniel Ricardo auditioning for Red Bull, but without the results, even just if they are car related, I just feel like Red Bull has uh, the prestige to take any driver they want and, and what they're getting out of AlphaTauri is just not inspiring and it's not, you know, if they were to make a change on the top team, they're not really beholden to the AlphaTauri team to, to say, take a Daniel Ricardo over a different driver if in the if and unless he kind of blows everyone's doors off in the second half do you know what i mean like it just seems like yeah. the the prestige is so much different between the two teams that <clears throat> the feeder team and the idea of the relationship it must be even a little strained you know between the two teams i don't know well Maybe- of, of of course i mean there's always the rumors floating around every now and then. I think there was a little bit of rumor earlier this season of Rebel potentially selling that team and maybe Andretti was going to buy it or, you know, whatever the case may be. But to kind of go back on the driver program for them, it's what I've also noticed is how harsh the Rebel program has become in terms of their feeder drivers. And it seems like they're very cutthroat. And what... I guess I take from that is that if the driver isn't another Max Verstappen, they don't stand a chance in the senior team. Well, good luck because yeah, there's only one you're, Max you're Verstappen. You're competing against a once in a gener- you're competing against a once in a generation talent, right? And it seems like no matter who they put in the second car, they just they get blown out of the water by Max. So, like you see, saw the case with Albon, who. You know, he wasn't necessarily a bad driver. He had some poor performances and he had some bad luck. Right. But they they cut him. They just they slashed him and they brought Perez on. But now you see Albon in a more relaxed environment, more nurturing environment with Williams, where he's able to get comfortable and really take on a leadership role, and he's thriving. And he's yeah. doing. I mean, yeah. he's driving the wheels off of that Williams. So that's that's very true. I, I yeah. just I feel like the Rebel Driver program has lost its luster because all they seem to do is they're looking for that next Max Verstappen, and if anybody isn't on par with him, they cut him. So do you think so ultimately? Why would you want to be part of that program? 
Yeah, I was going to say, do you think ultimately that turns drivers off in, in uh, potentially being a part of that program because the, your opportunity yeah, is going to be so I think, limited? I think it can be because, I mean, we see what's happening with, um, I think it's Liam Lawson, I think we talked about, who's in Super Formula over in Japan, yep. um, where, you know, he could potentially have a rebel seat, but for whatever reason, they didn't put him in the seat with Ricardo that Ricardo now has, whether they're going to give Ricardo the rest of this season and maybe next year to see what happens with the senior team, maybe slot into that seat alongside Verstappen again and have Lawson come back over to AlphaTauri. But I mean, what would be the point of that at that point in your career? You're just shuffling deck chairs. And I I don't personally, I, I think this is, um, the last half of a season that we'll see Daniel Ricardo driving uh, in Formula One because I just I don't I don't know that he's going to be able to do too much in the, enough in that AlphaTauri to impress yeah. and, and get a contract. But but let's uh, let's move on. Let's go up the standings to uh, Alpha Romeo and uh, Joe Ganyu and Valtteri Bottas. And to be honest, this is a team for me that when I watch the races, I almost feel like where are they? I almost don't see these drivers out there. It, it just seems, I don't know if the coverage on Alfa Romeo is less than other teams on the broadcast or whatever it is, but it's a team that kind of always seems to disappear over the course of the weekend, at least in my mind. Maybe yeah. not standings-wise, but they well, just... Yeah, right. No, I'm so, sorry, sorry to jump in front of you there. Uh, ah. I, just had a, I just had a thought, but um, it's kind of the same thing with how AlphaTauri was last year, where Alfa Romeo had a decent car last year. They were a solid midfield team last year. And now they're wallowing at the back. They're miles off the pace. Um, they're never really in contention to make it out of Q- Q1. Um, right. And it's right. just, it's it's weird to see such a drop in form uh, one season on. Right. And that's, and, and it's, fr- and, you know, it's another team with with a driver who could be looking at his last laps in Formula One with Valtteri Bottas in the same way I, I look at Daniel Ricciardo just as if he's kind of filling a seat maybe for the rest of the year, maybe looking forward. But I don't know enough about Alfa Romeo's, you know, driver program or what their plans are in the future because, like I said, I just they seem to fade fade to the back of the the mind when I'm when I'm looking into Formula One. And so I don't know if you, you have any ideas about what their plans are for the future or what their con- – I know Valtteri's up after this year, I believe, and I just don't know how they how they get themselves back to some sort of relevance or some sort of yeah you know excitement well, level, like a, some sort of excitement around the team, I suppose. I mean, my thought is that they're going to be – they're kind of biding their time at the moment until Audi comes in and becomes that manufacturer and they take over Sauber, um, which is going to happen, I think, either... I think it's 2025 going into 2026, or it could just be for the 2026 season. I'm not really sure uh, as to how that's all going to happen as far as the timeline goes, but I know that Audi is coming in and they're taking Sauber over um, to become a works team. So that leaves the question what their driver lineup is going to be, whether they're going to want a seasoned driver, uh, what happens with Guan Yuzhou, because I know that he has a lot of financial backing, and he's he's a talented young driver, and I think he deserves more of a chance. Um, right. But maybe, maybe it's, that really is... going to be up to, it's really going to be up to the management that comes in with Audi to see what they're going to do. And maybe that's what I'm, I'm noticing. You're right. As that change is already being made, that this is a, this is a team that's looking down the road, two, three, four years rather than, you know, this year. And, and I, I forgot that Audi, that's where they were going to come in. And that is the excitement we're looking for. I mean, that is the big shakeup you need to have with a team to, uh, to at least make a splash and, and bring in some eyeballs. And I'm sure once that, once that team has changed over, there will be, uh, I don't know, there will be a little more talk around Alfa Romeo. You're right, it does seem to be like a team in limbo, in transition, or as they say in other sports, like the rebuilding process. And uh, yep. that's that. 
Okay, so we'll we'll put a pin in Alfa Romeo for we'll say twelve to eighteen months, and we'll come back talk yeah. about them in uh, the fall of twenty twenty four. How about that? I, I, I think I think they'll definitely be an, an interesting topic going forward, given their transition with going to Audi. Um, I think that's going to be a really interesting point in time, and yeah, I think it'll be cool to keep track of that and keep everybody posted about it. Sure. Yeah, I think that that so, makes sense. Should we move on to eighth place currently, who, who is Haas? Haas Racing, yes, indeed. What uh, What are your thoughts on Haas heading into the, the second half here? Well, I mean, they're lacking in the development race, which they they always have. I mean, they do this every year. They kind of start with a, an, a respectable car that's good on good at qualifying. Uh, as we see, Hulkenberg always puts in these stellar qualifying drives and just puts the car up into Q3 and where it really shouldn't be. But then he just, as soon as the race starts, he just starts plummeting down the order um, and really scrapping for some points. And I think a lot of that is the traits that that car takes on from its, I guess, the older brother that the Ferrari, the works team is because they're development partners in a sense, and they share a lot of their technology much in the way that AlphaTauri does with Red Bull. Um, And I think that what we see is the same kind of traits that that car has compared to what the Ferrari has, where it overheats the tires really quickly, and it just lacks race pace. And yeah. So I think that's what we're seeing a lot of. It has great qualifying pace, but when it comes to the race, it just sinks like a rock. I, I think you nailed it. I think you nailed it with Haas and some of the frustration I've heard from people that are you know newer F1 fans and want to root for for the American team is that they just seem to kind of peak on Saturday and fade on Sunday. And I think you nailed exactly what's going on there. And some could say the same, like you said, for their for their uh, sister team in Ferrari, but we'll get to them in a minute, I suppose. But We will. Let, let's talk about number seven, a team that I'm really fascinated by. Um, I think is really, is as far as I'm concerned, racing well above expectations, and that's Williams. In, uh, I don't know. what I think with, uh, like we talked about, Alex Albon, he just, he seems like he's doing things with that car that uh, no one would have guessed at the start of the year could be done. Would you agree that he's that Williams is, is maybe the surprise team of the first half? It definitely is. And I guess the question is, is he just driving like in his, is he at his peak right now? Is Albin at his peak right now? Or is he overperforming to what that car can do um, and really dragging it up the order? Because I know Sargent's a rookie, and he only had one year with GP2 or F2, whatever you guys want to call it. it it's gone by both names. Um, but and I know he only placed sixth, and he got in because Liam, uh, not Liam Lawson, but Oscar Piastri and Nick DeVries both evaporated, and they were both the drivers that they were targeting to fill that second seat, so they were left with... Not many options, and so they threw Sargent in there after one season in the lower category. And we're kind of seeing the product of that, where he's getting up to speed, and it's taking a little bit of time. I just think that the gap is a little bit exaggerated, because he's his teammate is a seasoned Formula 1 driver who's having the season of his life right now and really overachieving in a Williams car that I don't know if it'll, if it should be that far up the order, but I mean, it's, it's really up to, up to you. Yeah, I think once again, I think you're on it and I do, I, it is interesting watching Logan Sargent, um, improving and you do wonder if part of that is going to be a guy, like we said, Alex Albon, that, um, He's racing. He's got a chip on his shoulder this year. He's dragging that car. Like you said, he's dragging it up into the points. But that can also drag your teammate up with you. And to have a rookie behind a guy who's clearly 
driving, you know, like a, at least with, with something to prove, you might say. Um, I think that bodes well for the team culture. And I think that can bode well for, you know, the competitive culture within the garage. And that's not going to be a bad thing for Logan Sargent, who I believe they have signed through next season. So, you know, I, I think it's just, I think it's fascinating what's going on there because at the start of the year, I would have put Williams down as the back marker in 10th place. And uh, whatever's happening there, I think it's, I think it's all at least positive, positive stuff. And, you know, the budget shortfalls and they don't have the money of these other teams, but there's something about Williams that, you know, they're scrappy and they're, you can, you can root for them without feeling threatened by them, if that makes any kind of sense. Well, they're, they're a small team that's going through a huge rebuild right now. I mean, they just underwent a change in, uh, in ownership and a change in management. Um, and there's new technical directors and and just new new blood is being pumped into Williams right now that it hasn't had in a long time and it's needed it and what we're seeing I think is the start of a long process of bringing Williams back up the order a little bit and I mean I know I'm looking forward to Monza because that car is so good in a straight line. It's very fast down the straights, very slippery. So it's going to be very interesting to see where it lands in Monza. Um, but before we get there, I guess, I mean, could be tough. They're could doing tough such sledding. a they're doing such a great job for for a little team that's in the middle of a rebuild. I'm I'm rooting for them. I'm rooting for Sargent. I hope he can get another another year in the seat given the circumstances that they put him in the seat under. Um, I don't think he's doing a terrible job. I think he's doing, he's consistent. Um, he's not making any big mistakes. He's not crashing and causing a lot no. of damage. And that was, no, which was all. what we saw last year with Mick Schumacher, which was one of the main reasons why they, um, they took him out of that seat was because he was causing, so much expenditure with the crashes that he was having. Not necessarily all of them were on his on his fault, but you know it's just part of the job. Yeah, poise, poise while you're in the seat and and being in control. And uh, I think Sergeant has it. I think he's got that. At least that uh, he's savvy enough to to keep that car in one piece and to finish these races. And uh, that kind of that kind of leads us into you know. A team that if Williams is uh, pointed in the right direction and having good things going on behind the scenes, a team that I think is in total upheaval and and can't really get a car to finish lately is Alpine. And I mean, did they end the first half with two straight DNFs from both cars, like four DNFs in two two races, and they wiped out their, their... management and executive team what's going on with alpine heading into uh the back half of the year and can they turn this ship around what do you think oh man i (laughs) i don't know because i think that i mean when they're not having issues with the cars and not having dnfs their car is actually you know it's decently quick it's a solid car i don't know i don't think it's a a top four uh car but it can get the job done and it can be the top of that main midfield pack if it on a good day. Um, but yep. they've just had a really bad string of luck the last three or four races and really kind of all season. Um, yep. and that's obviously we've seen, like we saw the change in management or the change in leadership that went on. Um, I think, uh, Amar Sa- is it Amar that was the yes. principal. Yep. Yeah, I think he he got ousted, um, and one of the other uh, head guys there was also ousted. So there's new management coming in at the turn of the summer break. So maybe that'll give him a little bit of a spark, a little fresh blood always helps. Did you see any rumors about who that management might be? Because I I had seen some chatter uh, over the last couple weeks about... But I'm I'm curious, have you seen anything, or am I just... uh... I... I heard Flavio Briatore being thrown around. Ah, interesting. I don't know how likely that is because of all the things that happened 
the last time he was involved in Formula One, um, Crashgate being one of the things um, huh. that really huh. nailed his coffin shut back in 2008. But I oh, mean, that's fascinating. See, he that's, was that's fascinating. I think I think he was banned from the sport after that, um, as far as like ma- like leadership management roles. But I mean, if there is to be anybody that could get a team back on track, it's him because I know it's unlikely given he's probably still banned. I, th- <laughs> I think he's still banned, but he was all business and all just letting the team do its thing. He wanted the team was, it, it was all about the team. Um, whatever needed to get done, he let the team do it just as long as it's improving the team. Just the small matter of the the banning, which they might have. Yeah, to just that. See, was was that the name that you saw getting thrown around, or is there no, something else? No, I thought you, as a Ferrari guy, might have heard about uh, Mattia Bonato. Is that? Um, oh, I didn't hear about yeah uh, Bonato getting thrown around in there. There had been some speculation, and I think there is still speculation that his name was. He'd be surface. a good fit. And yeah, they said what I what I saw, what I heard was uh, early September he would he would join the team. But again, you know what you read out there is all speculation. I mean, yeah, y- your your info is as good as mine, which is as good as anyone else's. But uh, I thought that was another fascinating name because um, you know he's another guy that I think could bring a little spark to that team. And and I've been a fan of, and I know you're a Ferrari uh, Tafosi to the to the core and uh, just Indeed curious what, what your what your thoughts would be if he were to take over the range could he turn that team around or would it be more I think I think he could I think he definitely could I, he has a lot of good knowledge and a lot of good experience with Formula 1 he knows how to run a team um, I just hope he brings the Ferrari strategists with him so then we can get some new ones and might have a better chance of being put on the right tire at the right time um <laughs> Which seems to be a problem lately, but uh, yeah, I, I think he'd be a good fit with a rebuild at, Alp, at Alpine. Yeah, steady hand, I would say. I mean, maybe some yeah, definitely. And in, in, in with the he's experience. coming from a race winning program, right? He's coming from a race winning program with a lot of pedigree, Ferrari. But um, yeah, I think he has the ability to lead a team like Alpine maybe get them headed back in the right direction because like I was saying earlier, they have the pieces are the pieces are all there. They I, have I agree. Their 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 pit crew is good. They do a good job in their pit stops. Their drivers are both consistent. O- Ocon and Gasly are both quick drivers on a good day. Um the car is quick on a good day. They just have to kinda of get around the re- reliability issues they that they've been having. So they have a solid package and a solid foundation. It's really just about getting it all pulled together, ironing out the kinks, and getting it up the order more. I think I think that's it. I think, and you're right about the drivers. I think they have the drivers to do it, and they just need the stability um, behind the scenes a little bit more. But we'll see if that that comes. We'll be we'll be looking forward to that. Who do we have at uh, number five in the constructors heading down? the second half here Kyle. number five is mclaren oh. on the rise absolutely the green arrow pointing way up for mclaren the last half they of the- are trending up their right. points in the last four races going into the break or actually i'll stretch it to the last five were 22 points in austria 32 points in the uk after that stellar performance they had an off off week after that Scoring only three points at the next race in Belgium, they had ten points, and in the in Hungary, no, not Hungary. Sorry, I can't remember. Yeah, see, hung, everybody's but, got Hungary on the brain today, but yeah, yeah, it's there. Well, the this abbreviation is N I Z, and I'm pretty sure that's the uh, Netherlands. And that's yeah. supposed to be. It's <laughs> a race that hasn't yeah. happened yet, so I guess they have points for a race that hasn't happened yet. Excellent. Um, That's pretty good. So I mean, if you're scoring that. points and you haven't even had the race yet, you're definitely <laughs> pointed in the right direction. You know? But uh. I think 
third, whatever the upgrades are that they've been bringing to this car, it's obviously all been calculated. And they they know each one is going to bring a level of performance that's a notch above what they had been. And I think they're starting to understand the performance window with this car and where where that sweet spot is as far as the ride height to get the downforce just right without causing too much drag and not causing any um, porpoising or anything like that, which is where we have to say that still because it seems to be happening every now and then with some teams. Um, but I... they're, they're on the rise. They, they've got two... Really good drivers, Norris good and Piastri. And you're, you're, and yeah, I think I think they're they're well on their way to coming up the order more. I think you're right. I think um, I keep saying that for everyone you you go through. I say, oh, you're right. You nailed it. But those upgrades when they brought the upgrades, it was like they had a brand new car. I mean, they they oh, yeah. really it it took that level. They had pace out of nowhere. Where was that first race where uh, Norris was on the podium? Um, you know where they started the turnaround. You just said it, but it was like they came out of nowhere. Uh, let me see here. It. Yeah, um, I think Britain was the first one that they yeah, really had. That was yeah. a big you know, Aust- Austria. They had a decent showing, but then in Britain, it was just. Uh, unbelievable unbelievable it, what they did and you're right too about uh i think lando norris is uh, that kid's going places and oscar oh, yeah. piastri absolutely is another rookie who is just he's getting better as the year is going on and um i don't i don't know what else there is to say other than zach brown must be the happiest guy in motorsport right now because halfway through the first half you know through the first quarter of the season that team was struggling and it just seems yes. like they've done everything right uh, ever since, do you remember they left the hard tires on when they Hamilton was chasing Norris at the end of, I think it was in Britain, and, you know, they had clearly it made was. the right decision in the middle of the race, and it's like every decision they've made since then has been the right one, and I just, the, the morale in that garage and within that team has to be sky high. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy for it McLaren. Is. It absolutely is, and I think it's, it's, like I've been saying, like you've been saying, I think they're a team that's kind of starting to find their rhythm a little bit and they're understanding their car and they're understanding what they have to do to make it better. Um, And I will apologize. I I read the wrong numbers for the points. That was Ferrari's points totals for the last four races. McLaren's goes 12, 30, 28, and 16. So they're making up a ton of points in the last four races. Very impressive. Very impressive. Because they'd only scored in three other races before that. So that's a credit. That's a credit to the uh, the guys at the facilities too, and guys and gals, Big I time. should say, at the facilities uh, that are that are working. The engineers and the the people really putting in the hours that hopefully have enjoyed their break here over the last few weeks, because the people at McLaren yeah, certainly so. certainly deserve it. Um, but now it's time to ramp back up and get right back into the swing of things for the next few races. Oh, it's it's you know finally it's we're finally back, and it's it's just. Can't wait, and you know we've talked about you as the Ferrari fan. So I'm just going to let you tell me what you think about this fourth place standing through the first half of 2023 here for for Ferrari because I'm I'm curious well, how you feel. Well, I'm glad that we're clinging on to fourth place. We've got we're ahead of McLaren by like what is that like 89 80. 80 like something. 90 points almost yeah. I, I'll, I'll call I'll call it 90 points um, but I mean too inconsistent the strategy calls have been well questionable um, the car chews up its tires at a rapid pace if the weather conditions aren't just right um it seems to be it seems to be quick. I mean, it's it's a definitely a quick car. Um, sure. But there's definitely a lot of things that they need to work on as far as um, tire management, engine reliability, maybe dialing up the the power a little bit. I mean, that was what they talked about all off season was how they managed the 
reliability, and they got they got on top of that, so they were going to be able to turn up the engine to you know 110 percent and have no issues. And the first race, Leclerc has an engine failure, and or I forget what the failure was. I think it was something related with the power unit, though, and it might have been electrical. But it's just <laughs> like the first race of the season, right after you had this all this talk about how you fix the power unit problems and the wah, first race wah. you have an issue. It's just, yeah. <laughs> it didn't get off to a good start. Um, and I guess it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the driver contracts. I'd like to see Leclerc stay. I think he's obviously a very, very talented driver. He's excellent in qualifying. One lap pace is just off the charts. Um, he's very, and this is, going to be kind of a hot take this is he's very senna-esque in the or uh i guess more realistically a like a gilles villeneuve-esque when he can just ring the car out over the, over a single lap and really extract absolutely everything out of a car for one lap and he has great race pace too it's just he gets caught out with these questionable strategy calls um, and then science, it's, you know, does, is he going to stay with Ferrari? Is he going to leave and go somewhere else? I, I like him. I like him as a Ferrari driver. I think he's a good, consistent per- performer. I know that last year was rough with him. He had a lot of, uh, spins and just weird moments that were not very Carlos science like, um, sure, sure. But, I mean, it's just going to be interesting to see where those two drivers end up, whether they sign extensions and allow Ferrari the, the time to get a better car for them as well. The the one thing I'll say, too, to add to that is uh, Ferrari, unlike McLaren, every time they brought upgrades, they seemed to land with a bit of a thud this year. I, did, I never saw that big... Yeah, that big pickup yeah. after the upgrades, and uh, you're expecting it, and you know they made some drastic changes to their to their design and it just didn't seem to really give them a big boost but uh you know the other thing too in my mind for whatever reason i I have sergio perez and carlos Sainz kind of linked as the guys who um their seats are questionable going forward and they there's a plenty of there's no shortage of drivers who would not mind jumping into those seats so i don't know why i think of Sainz and perez in the same category but it just seems like those two are both guys who drivers who could be vulnerable to to shakeups within the organizations. I don't. I, maybe I'm wrong about that, and maybe maybe signs. No, I I, th- I think you're right on with that. You're definitely right on with that. Um, but I guess what I would say is in regards to the upgrades is that much like Mercedes, Ferrari was kind of handicapped by their original side pod design with the big scalloped side pods um and the tub that's underneath that you can't really reshape it because it's part of the chassis and the overall uh, underpinnings of the car you would have to redo basically the entire car and with the budget cap you can't really do that these days right so they have to do like this almost a temporary fix that's like a little in between and it's got the ferrari scallop side pods but it's also running a downwash design from the Red Bull um, and it's kind of a mix of the two and I think that's just them putting a band-aid on it for the time being until they can focus on next year's car where they'll actually be able to make a true conversion to a more side pod design that's more like uh, more like a rebel, I would say Sure, but less of a less of a Frankenstein. It really comes down to the underpinnings. Right, right. They've got a bit of a a duct tape situation, you know, trying to make fit the square peg into the round hole using this, this, yep. and this. But <clears throat> only only so much that you can change on the car right now. Sure. So I, I think I think uh, yeah, I think that's that's where Ferrari is in a nutshell, and they're just behind Aston Martin. In the constructor standings, it's be close. And, and should I say Aston Martin or should I say they're just behind Fernando Alonso in the constructor standings? Yeah, I think I think <laughs> <laughs> I think we could say either one of those, um, which is amazing considering we thought that at the start of the season we thought Aston was going to run away with second place in the championship, 
but here we come right back to this come back to the stroll question again i uh and there might not be a good answer there might not be an answer in 2023 of the stroll question you know in terms of the future it might just be what it is he might that might be his seat and this is what they're comfortable with and fernando alonso is you know almost in a way the mercenary there for the uh there for the ride not that he's he's not driving the heck out of the car but um it just seems like two steps forward one step backwards one to the side spin around like it just there's no consistency within the team and and lance stroll certainly is not doing his teammate any favors um i don't know i i I don't really know where to pin it with with aston martin and they're sinking and if in a couple weeks we're doing this podcast and they've sunk below Ferrari. They're they're flirting with McLaren. I think, you know, that's the time to hit the red alert that there's something really wrong. Well, their, their last three races have been really just... I don't, I don't know whether they're just not... The tracks aren't suiting their car because their last three points totals were 6, 3, and 12. Whereas before, it was like 18, 20, 21, just raking in points. Right. But I think that, I don't know, maybe we'll see more of a return to their normal form when we get to Zandvoort. Um, Then after that, we'll see how they fare in Italy, where it's going to be more of a high-speed track again. Um, But there's only a few more tracks that are really not in their wheelhouse as far as what the car is, uh, has for strengths. But it's really what they're going to be able to do to capitalize on the tracks that they're not good on as far as the car setup is. Um, right. I guess it kind of remains to be seen. But I think we'll see them maybe get back on track a little bit. It's, it, you know, maybe they've... Do you think they've focused on next year? Well... That's the thing. I mean, for, for, has the wind come out of their sails a bit from the start of this season? And now, you know, they're they're focused on the future and they're focused on, on something else. Because I just, in, in my mind, I feel like Lance Stroll should be scoring points every single weekend in that car. And maybe, maybe he is, but if he is, he's finishing 10th. You know, maybe he's 11th, maybe he's 9th, but... It just seems like as an organization, you know, we talked about Williams has that a little bit of fire in the in the in the belly. It feels like maybe Aston Martin's just fine with the way things are going. And they know that, you know, Red Bull is going to keep stomping their way through. So Lance Stroll gets to have fun driving his F1 car and Fernando Alonso gets to be a fan darling and. You just kind of move on to the next one in a way. Maybe I'm I'm totally wrong about that, but for whatever reason, well, that's I the vibe that I get. At some point, Alonso wants to compete. Sure, you can. I mean, you can see it. He wants he wants to compete. He wants to be on that podium. He's smiling like crazy every sure. time he's on the podium. So oh, I think he's absolutely. you know he's obviously still has that that passion for it. Um, and it's really going to come down to is Aston Martin going to be able to develop their car because that seems to be what their weakness is right now is they're not able to develop the car as rapidly as like Mercedes or Ferrari um, who they're competing with for that one of those top four, well, top second, third, and fourth spot. I mean, Rebels, not, it's not even within touching distance. Right, right. And, you know, the thing, the way I, I look at Aston Martin in some ways is almost like they have two teams in there, that the super competitive Fernando Alonso side of things, and then the the Lance Stroll, uh, I'll give it my best shot, but it's not the end of the world side of things. And, you know, because you're right, I don't mean to say Fernando doesn't want to compete and he doesn't want to win. He would give anything to be the guy that, that dethrones Red Bull right now. But it, um, I just wonder if it's a situation where it's almost a split, a split team where where he's super focused on winning and getting the most out of his car, and the other side of the team is a little bit more, um, you know, just 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 happy with the results and and willing to concede that maybe they're not going to finish. Maybe Lance isn't going to finish on a podium this year. Maybe he's not going to have a top five finish and 
and that's okay, you know, and that's it's not the do, end do of the world. Do you think that wears on that side of the garage though? <sighs> that's the they thing. They see they see Alonzo's side of the garage raking in points and being on up on the podium, and then oh, what's going on with Lance? He's not he's not up on the podium. He's not getting points. He's wallowing down in like ninth or tenth place almost every race. It's got to be frustrating. You know, he's 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 fighting to get a point or two where Alonzo's almost battling on the podium every week. Um, I mean. Right. Right. At some point, that's got to get tiring to see, and somebody's got to say something, you know? Well, and that's it. Fernando Alonso, how long can he go without saying something? Because he um, he likes to talk, and he likes to speak his feelings, and he's been a good soldier this year, but I just think at some point, maybe you do get a little frustrated with without having the help of your teammate, you know, just backing you up and backing up the the results that you're getting out of your car. You're right. You look over and you say, why can't you... Why can't you yeah. finish like I do? Be- because you had to assume they're probably sharing setup uh, information it, it, to some respects. And right. so trying to give Lance as much of an upper hand as you can get and seeing what Alonzo is doing in the car. But, I mean, how long can it go on? How long can you watch this without thinking, man, like this is the straw that's going to break the camel's back? Right, right. Well, we'll see. That's That's... It'll be interesting. We'll, we'll, Aston Martin, what an enigma. It's an enigma of a team, really. But, it is. Um, so would you like to lead us into your team? Oh, yeah. the uh, the Well, at number two, really the winners of the N, what is it? NRBCC, <laughs> uh, the Non-Red Bull Constructors Championship. Is, uh, <laughs> I like that. Is <laughs> Mercedes and uh, with the... Lewis Hamilton and George Russell, but uh, I've got to say I'm a little disappointed. And you know, it's tough to be disappointed when you're essentially outperforming expectations. If you went back 12 months, but George Russell for me this year has taken a bit of a step back. I think um, you know he, he, he's a fine qualifier, but his races have not been great. He's had a couple DNFs and. Um, he, he's had some play, you know, some races where he's come from 15th and, and finished in the top four or five, but there's something in the Mercedes team this year that just feels a little disjointed, I guess is the way I'd want to say it. It feels a little bit like there's, um, you know, they, they've solved their porpoising and they, they came with the, the upgrades, which certainly have provided, um, some extra pace to the car, but it just feels like again a tale of two garages maybe or there's something going on and you know like we said with Aston Martin like Lewis Hamilton wants to win and you can see him pushing and he he's he's pushing as hard as anyone else out there too and and I think he's really enjoyed the scraps with with uh Lando Norris and he's enjoyed this sneaking up to uh Red Bull a little bit anyway in the in the second quarter of the season I guess we'll call it but I just feel like Mercedes still has a long way to go to get to where they want to be and they set expectations so high that it feels like and I don't mean high versus like win every race or or compete but they just there's something about Mercedes where you expect a little bit more and I don't know where they're where they're lacking and now Lewis Hamilton for whatever reason hasn't signed his contract yet and so they they could potentially be left with a George Russell led to I don't know I I just feel like there's something <laughs> there's something really missing or disjointed going on with Mercedes and I wonder if Hamilton's trepidation is seeing that uh how far Red Bull is out in front and wondering you know what team going forward has the has the right ideas to to finally put an end to the to the Red Bull reign and I'm sure everything yeah. will fall in line, and I'm sure I'm sure you know they'll sign Hamilton, and and Russell's form will be a little better in the second half. But it's just it's just a confusing time to be a Mercedes fan. I'll say that. I'll say that. Um, but what do you see? What do you see when you look at Mercedes from the outside? In terms of, are you surprised with their second place? Are you, you know, do you think they are the team? I, I guess to push Red Bull in the second half, or even next well, year. What do you think? Um, well, let's. I'm going to start with George Russell. Yeah. So here we go. I think that he's been a 
a consistent performer so far this year. He at the start of the season he seemed to have the upper hand on Hamilton. Yeah. Um and then after the upgrades, the side pot upgrades, Hamilton was able to kind of level the playing field a little bit and it seems like the car now suits Hamilton more than it does Russell. Um and the way that it drives and the way that it reacts and the feeling in the car. Um and I don't think Russell's done a you know he's not doing a bad job he's being consistently in the points i think um he's had some pretty good scraps some pretty good races um i mean he's his teammate is a quote-unquote eight-time world champion (laughs) but he's just you know but i mean it's i don't know what else he can really do he's been a pretty consistent performer um I'm happy with his performance. I think that maybe just the car is not giving him the right feelings right now, and that's why, or maybe the a couple of errors here and there have cost him a little bit sure. um, as far as positioning goes. But I think he's been pretty consistent and pretty solid performer all season. I guess, um, I guess what I mean with, with George is that there's a group of drivers, I would say the George Russells, Lando Norris's, Charles Leclerc's. There's these guys, and I was hoping maybe he could start to separate himself from them. And if anything, I think, you know, Lando Norris is outperforming him. I can see, you know, even a guy like Esteban Ocon can push him. And it just, he hasn't seemed to make that separation from that group that I thought heading into this season he might be able to. And I think the standout of that group would be like a a Lando Norris or an Alex Albon. And, you know, you just, I suppose as a fan of the team, you want your guy to be the one that makes the leap. And he's made maybe a small small step instead of a big leap, if that makes any sense. You know, the group of guys that are not former world champions, but they're also not back. I just was hoping for for him to be just a little bit more... um, just, just to jump out of that group, and, and if anything, he's he's stayed about the same or fallen behind some of those drivers this year, um, in terms of performance. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think he's probably on par with them. I don't think he's done anything to really cause drama and go backwards. Right. I think he's kind right. of leveled off maybe a little bit. Right. Um, and again, that could just be the car doesn't suit his driving style at the moment and he's working on adapting to it and it's, you know, he could just be adjusting, but, um, sure. No, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Yeah. And then, so now I just want to touch on Hamilton Uh and say Uh that kind of like what I, what I said at the beginning with Russell, where it seemed to be at the beginning of the season, he just didn't have, you know, he didn't, Maybe he was just frustrated with the team because he wasn't listened to in the offseason. He was Certainly. telling the team Certainly. not not to run the zero side pod design. And they come right back with the same design that didn't work last year as if it was magically, magically going to work this year. Um, Frustrating. Frustrating. And yeah. they start the season kind of on the back foot. The car performs a little bit better than it had been. Um, George was gathering a bunch of the points then but then once they got the upgrade package on there and changed up the side pods I think we saw a little bit more Hamilton-esque form uh, out of him and something more of a form that we would expect from Hamilton, more consistent and he seems like he is in a happier place with the car Um, and I guess I just want to also touch on the upgrades and it's kind of like what I just said where it seems like they started with an idea that they were so convinced was going to work, even though it failed miserably last season. They Ooh. wanted to run it again. Very hard headed. Really hard headed to do it again. But anyway, go on. Sorry. Oh, it was. I I don't I don't even understand why they. I mean, they saw the performance issues they were having with it last year. I mean, maybe they were seeing something in the data that wasn't showing up on the track, and they were convinced. But. Um, and they're kind of having the same problem that Ferrari has, where their their whole car is designed around this 
zero side pod philosophy of the aerodynamics and how the floor interacts with the the body of the car um, above the floor and all you know all that stuff that comes into play. And now they've had to change their design philosophy to these more Red Bull, like more Aston, I guess you would call them more Aston Martin, like side pods where they're, you've got the big gully cut out into them, but it's also a downwash. Um, yeah. But yeah. because they had to adjust, they couldn't design their car around that philosophy. We're not going to really see the full potential until, say, next year when they are, I'm assuming, going to have a car that's designed specifically for that philosophy and the way that the floor is going to interact with that that side pod package. So, I mean, that's going to be interesting to see once we get to next year, but we'll focus on right now. And I think that for the rest of the year we can probably expect you know, some little upgrades here and there, but I think you'll want them to be just consistent, getting points, uh, building a solid foundation going into next year, and kind of see where it takes them. So, and I think that goes the same for just about every team. I think that's what a lot of these teams are going to be looking for in the second half is, all right, where can we put these little upgrades in the car, maybe test little things we might want to put on next year's car. Um, and yeah, just kind of go from there and see if we can design a car that sort of focuses on next year, but have a get consistent points because a lot of these teams, especially in the midfield are still fighting. Like, you know, like the fight for seventh place is going to be pretty good between Williams and Haas and Alfa Romeo um, we're gonna have to see if McLaren can keep maybe catching Ferrari, that, but that'll be fun. Other than that, so you just put an idea in my head, and I don't know if it works like this. But with Red Bull's okay. dominance this year, does it present teams with a chance to kind of live test some of their ideas for next year? Maybe not their full upgrades or things like that, but could you bring, especially the last few races, could you bring yeah. out more stuff? Or would you not want to show your hand with where your development is headed? Do you know what I mean? Like, if you're competing for yeah, a title. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I completely see what you're, I completely understand what you're trying to get at here. Um, and we've seen it in the past where um, teams later in the season, maybe like the last four or five races, once they have like a, like, once their position in the championship is secure or if they're feeling comfortable enough with the gap they'll bring parts to like a practice session that they might want to test to see how it's going to interact for next year. Right. Um, and next year's regulations and, you know, what, whatever else and how, however they do it. But yeah, we've seen it in the past where teams bring an upgrade that's more geared towards the next season just to see how it works on a car and not just in a wind tunnel or in like a computer animated, um, image you know right, so right i i think we'll definitely see some of that and it's going to be interesting to see because that's always it's, it's always fun to see these teams bring design ideas for the next season to uh this year's car and get to see them running early must be some some nice nice advantage to to check that and then have all that data for the to plow over for the uh for the winter and the off season yeah and uh the reason they would be doing that is because the team leading the standings right now is uh, Red Bull Racing, and <laughs> I guess what we can say is they're doing fine. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, they're doing all right. <laughs> uh, Five hundred and three points. Mercedes is in second with two hundred and forty-seven. So they've than got half. a pretty good gap. Less. I don't know. They might have. They might have to be careful in the second half. Mercedes might creep up on them. But, oh yeah. Um, no, I, I think, like I said, to kind of start this podcast, I think at this point it's as much as I hate to see it, I think it would be cool to see Red Bull win every single race this year just to, I mean, it, what a, what an awesome thing. Like, you never you never see that. History. We've History. seen dominance, but this is just something, it's on another level right now. So then. Uh, and I am kind of rooting for it. I am kind of rooting for it. 
that uh, they do win every race this year. And so do you see that's where any, my money's going to be. Do you see any storm clouds on the horizon for Red Bull heading into 2024? <laughs> Maybe not for this year. Do you see anything, or is this going to be a multi-year stretch of just absolute dominance? I can see maybe some teams closing up a little bit. Maybe if once more of these teams go more towards a centralized design philosophy like Rebel has, but obviously Rebel has the jump on them now um, as far as that design goes and refining it. But I think that we might see more of a closing up of the field, but... I I don't know. It's 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 too soon. I guess we're gonna have to see how the rest of the season goes. Um, Take it one race and, at I a mean, time. Yeah, yeah, one race at a time. And I think that barring any like mechanical issues or like maybe like a turn one accident or something like that, knocking one or both of the rebels out, depending on where Sergio Perez is, if he gets in the Q three or not. Um, and I think that's really. Oh, it's going to stop Red Bull this year from winning every race. And, you know, I would uh, I would hate to see that. If they were to lose a race, or not win a race, I should say, I would want it to be a, a good old-fashioned race win from another I would too. team. I, I'd I don't hate want to it see. to be... Yeah. Uh, if you go back a month and a half on this podcast, I was talking about hoping Max Verstappen was going to, you know, crash out on turn one. But you're <laughs> right. Now now that would be the absolute worst way to, to see this come yeah, to an end. Yeah, I, I, I want to see somebody somebody dethrone rebel on merit not because perez is stuck in like <laughs> seventh place and he can't make any progress up the field and, and max gets taken out in turn one or in some kind of a fight for the lead you know i don't want to see it like that i want to see a nice you know nice fair fight could be waiting could be waiting a while for that one Jeez. we could be yeah we could be waiting until like march of next year to see somebody other than rebel win a race <laughs> don't say that don't say that. So, <laughs> but before we get out of here, let's do this. Let's. I, I just want one bold prediction from you for the second half of the uh, okay. 2023 season. Um, if you need a minute, I've got one. But if you, if you got one off the top of your head, okay. fire away. Yeah, you fire yours first. Let me think on this for a second. All right, I'm going to be pretty bold here. This is this is uh, a big. Maybe it's not that bold. Let us know, but. I say both Ferrari and McLaren finish ahead of Aston Martin in the standings this year. I think. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, I know it's quite a way to go, but um, that's that's where my head is. I just I think both those teams, I think McLaren maybe gets ahead by a point on the last race of the season. but And don't tell Fernando Alonso I said that because he would not be happy. But I do think that's my bold prediction. I'm sticking with it. I don't need to explain myself. There you go. McLaren, Ferrari, okay. ahead of Aston Martin. Write it down. Or don't. Whatever you want. I can do. see it. <laughs> I can see it. Um, I think Ferrari getting ahead of Aston Martin is a better likelihood than McLaren, depending on how McLaren's form continues. Um, well, I've got to be bold, It's right? going to be interesting to see if they can keep that form going. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, so, all right. So my, my prediction, I think, I think I've, got, I've got two. All right, we'll take two. I think Williams gets at least a top five at Monza. Top five at Monza, Williams. I'm writing these down. I'm holding you to these. Okay, all right, that's fair. All right. Ferrari will be on the podium at Monza. And gonna. those are my two predictions for Monza because they seem like the, the heavy favorites at the moment. Wow, so you're... Um, let's see here. Ferrari on the podium hmm. and Monza. So you've got Monza on the brain. and uh, I do have Monza on the brain. Um, it's it's coming up. It's coming up. It's only a couple more races away. Um, and then... Oh, man. I need, the, I need, a, I need a bombshell one for my third. Um, <laughs> it can't be as... Uh... Yeah, let's see how bold you can get. Because, you know, people out there listening to this are going to need something. Alonzo, uh, Alonzo wins in Singapore. Alonzo wins in Singapore. So you, you say, wow, and that does it for Red Bull. Wow, okay. <laughs> Whoa, that I'm is I'm not a bold saying one. any of these are going to be true, but they're just hey, that's what we're doing. that I'm having at the moment. 
I love it. I love it. Alonzo wins his... Man, that's as bold as it gets. I thought I was going on a ledge. Okay. Because that seems like a, a track that's suited pretty well to the Aston Martin's strengths. They're good. I mean, they were great around Monaco, so I have no reason to believe why they wouldn't be good around Singapore. Um, although it is a little bit, little bit faster, but I think that the Aston Martin is really good in the corners, it seems to be, uh, compared to the Rebel. I mean, we saw that in Monaco where... Or and even in Hungary, where they were doing the comparisons on, like on the mini map, where they were showing where Alonso was ahead compared to where Verstappen was ahead, and it seems like every time they get to a corner, that Aston Martin gets an advantage. That is true. And then once they get into the straights, you know, Verstappen's gone. But mm. I mm-hmm. that's I, I think that's that's my boldest prediction is that Alonso wins in Singapore. I love it. I love it. I'm not I, saying it's going to happen. I would love for it to happen. That's it. You heard him say it. He's saying it's going to happen. Lock it down 100%. Alonzo's <laughs> winning. And, you know, I, I would love it. And I think, like we said earlier, um, nobody would be happier to take that away from Red Bull this year than Fernando Alonso. So, no. um, I guess, I guess with that... We are, I think we're in record territory here for the longest episode of the podcast so far. And I'm not complaining. Yeah, we're doing pretty well, I think. I'm not complaining. Um, you have cool. anything else on the calendar, on the horizon, you want to share with everybody or uh, point out before we get out of here? Um, no, I just hope that everybody's had a good summer break and they've been watching some other former racing to kind of get them by until we get to this week, which... As you know, is it is race week. We're back, and baby. We're going to Zandvoort. Excellent. It's going to be filled with orange smoke and orange flares because it's the Dutchman's home race. And uh, yeah, so I think that we're going to be on for a good show this weekend. Oh boy! Well, he said it. You heard it. And that means we are going to get on out of here. Thanks for listening, everyone. Check us out on social media at F1 Funcast or at Connor Gagnon, C-O-N-N-O-R-G-A-G-N-O-N. And, uh, yeah, we hope you had a great, great summer break. And we're back, and we'll talk to you soon. So take care, everybody. We're back, and it's almost time for Lights Out, and away we go. Can't wait. I think that's that's my boldest prediction is that Alonzo wins in Singapore. <laughs>